Um, all right, well, turn your Bibles, please, to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And um, I remind you that we've been working through this book together. We started in chapter 1, verse 1. This is, I think, our eight, 16th or 17th uh, time in, in this book. Um, so here we are at chapter 3, verse 22, and this is God's Word. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Enon near Salem because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you drive around Memphis or any major city, you will find buildings named after rich people who donated money to those buildings. Uh, you go to the Baptist Hospital, and there's the blick blick building. You drive down the street, you'll see a church with the building. Uh, you, you go to a theater, and there's a building. And, um, you know, people don't like giving their millions of dollars unless they get their name plastered up all over the place, because why else would you want to give it? I mean, sure, you could give it anonymously, but... Uh, you know, you want to leave something behind. You want the Jim Umloff Center for the, you know, bald and fat, uh, you know, a therapy center or something. You want, you want to leave something behind. Uh, so, yeah, sure, I'll help, but not with some kind of major recognition. Well, let me tell you, it is fine to donate large sums of money to the big wing of the hospital or whatever. It's fine to do that. It's good to do good. It's good to do good work. Uh, it's good to try to make a difference that will impact generations beyond you, to leave a legacy, to try to make a dent in this world. It is good to do that. It is good to leave something behind. But if your concern for your name is the big thing, um, then you've you got a shallow existence, wouldn't you say? If, if, if what you're looking for is, um, is uh, some kind of recognition that's beyond this life, it's because you planted something... Um, I think that you have a shallow existence, and uh, you know I, there are all kinds of little examples too. Like when you go to the Kroger and it's cowboy boot time, you know what I'm talking about? Would you like to donate a dollar? Then you fill out, you put your name on this cowboy boot, and they put a boot on the wall. I don't want my boot on the wall, and I only give them a dollar to make them shut up. Um, Walgreens had a red nose thing the, uh, a couple weeks ago. Did you pick up a prescription, anybody? You drive through, they're like, would you like to donate a dollar? I said, uh, whatever, yeah, yes, I have to. I work at a church, I can't be a jerk, you know? Um, and, so, and so I'm about to pull out, they're like, don't forget your nose. And I'm like, I'm going to wear a red nose. Look, I gave a dollar to Walgreens. See my nose? It just seems so ridiculous to me. If you want to give, give. All right? But I say all that to say this. Our main idea today is this, and I think we can take a lesson from uh, John the Baptist in this passage, to rejoice in your diminishing 
is evidence of your growing. You get that? It's topsy-turvy, like the gospel, that uh, when you, when you are, are becoming more and more humble, when you feel less and less of a need to name the building after yourself, when you, when you feel less and less to have some kind of mark of recognition, some good name that you've carved out, when you feel less inclined to that, that's usually a, um, an indication of some spiritual growth happening. All right? So let's go straight to the passage and our first point of three, which is the true Baptist. Um, I, I figured like 10 people would say amen. The true Baptist, amen, you know. Um, but look at verse 22. <laughs> verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside. Well, the after this, what is after what? It's after Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. That's important to keep in mind. He has had this encounter with Nicodemus. Uh, John, the gospel writer, writes some commentary. And after this, after this encounter with Nicodemus, Jesus and his disciples go into the Judean countryside. Um, <clears throat> it's important to remember that because even though we're examining um, this gospel from week to week to week to week, the gospel writer is writing the whole thing out. Okay? It's, I know publishers break it into sections and, and so on, and we have to divide it to... Uh, to, to ingest it. Um, but remember, the, the scripture writer is writing this idea out. And it's no small thing that this thing comes after Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus, where he spells out God's salvation by the means of the one he sent. Okay, the idea is that um, Nicodemus needs to be born anew. Well, that's a very important biblical idea. Uh, what a spiritually dead person needs is spiritual life. That's step number one. And so after this, after this encounter with Nicodemus, the story goes on, and it continues to be a picture of the gospel by the means that God sent. So let's look at verse 22 again. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. Now, um, interestingly, some of you, if you Ron, is Ron Gosson here today? No? Yes? No? Um, if some of your Bible translations don't have the word countryside in there, it'll, it'll say that he went into Judea, and that confuses people because he was already in Judea when he was talking to Nicodemus. Jerusalem is in Judea. Um, but m- most Bible translations now say the Judean countryside, and the point is that Jesus' ministry is expanding. Um, and um, by the way, is Jesus' ministry still expanding today? You bet it is. How? Through the church, that's how. He's, he is expanding his kingdom. He was expanding his kingdom. He is. And um, if we don't keep the expansion of Jesus' kingdom in mind here, uh, we, can, we can kind of digress into a, a silly uh, theological debate about baptism. Okay, the, ba- the word baptism is in there. Uh, verse 23 talks about John baptizing and so on because the water was plentiful and, and people want to go, aha, the water was plentiful. This is an argument for um, immersion Mm-hmm. Uh, look at that. The water was out of plentiful water. And so people will digress into that. And it's not the point of the passage, friends. Okay? But since it's in there, and I don't want you to trip up over it, um, anybody ever been to a third world country and see, seen people pumping water out of the ground? You ever seen that? They have to prime the pump and it's... And there's jugs and people carrying stuff on their head and it's, it's always women and children pumping the pump. Um, well, don't you think that this could support that too? Water was plentiful. You didn't have to go to get this much water to sprinkle on somebody. And there were thousands of people. 
So it could go either way. So don't go, oh, baptism, I can support this. It's not a good passage to argue either way <laughs> uh, for baptism, all right? And so, so I say all that to get it out of the way. That's not the point of this. Uh, the, the point of this is, is, is not so a bunch of numbskulls can argue uh, their theological darlings. Um, it, it's, it's this. Here's a good quote from a guy named Gordon Ketty, a very good commentator. He says, what is most significant is that John the Baptist does not focus on the baptism, but on the baptizer. That's the point. We're not looking at the baptism and uh, if there's enough water and I want to argue my point, no, I want to argue my point, and, and so on. The, 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 the point is, and, and, and thus our sermon point, the true Baptist with the capital B. We're talking about the true Baptist. It says in verse 22 that Jesus uh, uh, went into the Judean countryside. He remained there, and Jesus was baptizing. Now, that's the first we see of this in this gospel, that Jesus is baptizing. And so, John, the forerunner to Jesus, designated even before his birth, um, has established a ministry of baptism and repentance. And the message of John the Baptist's ministry, if you remember, was basically this. God is clean, and you're not clean, and that's a big problem. And as I pointed out last week, John's message was to the Jewish hearers, which is even more potent. He's saying, don't bet your money on your heritage in Abraham. Oh, yeah, you have a national ethnicity. It's true. But don't think that you're clean because you've been, you've been born into the, into the Jewish uh, situation. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and um, he's preaching to, to all people, including uh, the Jews. And so John's ministry of baptism, this ministry of baptism and repentance that is setting up, that is heralding Jesus' entry as the, as the true baptizer with a capital B, um, John setting all that up is communicating that message, and he was always clear about that message. In chapter 1, verse 29, it says, John goes, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Doesn't sound like he's confused about what his ministry was all about, the baptism of, of repentance, uh, the, the ministry of repentance and baptism. He's saying there's a lamb that takes away the sin of the world. That's the whole point of this whole thing, this whole ritual. Um, in uh, Matthew three eleven, John the Baptist says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with fire. And the point is, cleansing is necessary. And cleansing will happen either because God has cleansed you unto salvation or cleansing will happen because of judgment. But cleansing is going to happen. Cleansing is very important to God. That's John the Baptist's message. And so John knew and was never less than clear about what his mission was and that Jesus was greater than him and that John only heralded Jesus. Um, <clears throat> you know... Uh, Years ago, uh, my good friend Joey Salapak introduced me to me and my wife to the Elvis um, tribute artists, um, and uh, you know, uh, at first you'll see rookies go to these things. You'll see rookies. Who's been? To, who's seen an Elvis tribute artist in your lifetime? Look and look. You don't have to be ashamed about it. Peter Gibson's like we might have. I don't know. I, I. It's awesome. Let me tell you, it's awesome. If you haven't seen these guys, they're, they, they're awesome. 
And, uh, you know, there's a, there are a bunch of different ones, too. Hot two, three, four. There's the young one. There's the Vegas one. There's the comeback special guy. There's the Hawaiian uh, concert guys. It's amazing. All right, so they, they've, really, they've really upped it, and, and Graceland Enterprises has this tribute artist thing at the Cannon Center. Sometimes it's at the Orpheum, but usually Cannon Center. But back in the day, back in the day, we used to go to this thing down at Four Points Sheridan. And... Uh, Doc Martin, who was an old club owner that I used to work for, I played for him many times, and somehow Joey, with his oily background, uh, knew Doc Martin also. <laughs> and, uh, but he got us going to this thing, and I mean, it was, it was five days a week, um, and, and it was started at seven at, at night, and end about almost two, at, two in the morning. And every 20 minutes, he had a new Elvis. And basically, they were all truckers from somewhere, and, and uh, they didn't have to win a major competition like now. They would just come in. Anyway, all to say... Like Elvis after Elvis after Elvis after Elvis after Elvis would use the 2001 uh, theme song. And, you know, and, and boy, that will build anticipation. And uh, all, you know, but at some point, Elvis has to come out. You know, this, this anticipation's building and building, and it was great. I love the old one because you would hear like 10 2001 come on songs. Uh, uh, during a whole night, uh, all to say, that's what John the Baptist is doing. He's the come on music. He's the 2001 Space Odyssey, waiting for the big star to come on out. And uh, here we see now a power, powerful shift in the narrative, all right? The come on music's playing, the come on music's playing, and with this, with this situation, with, with Jesus now baptizing, we see that the thing flips on his head. The, the, the entry music has stopped, and the star has shown up on the scene. Um, look at verse 23, just how telling this is. John also was baptizing. And you go, wait a minute, I thought he was John the Baptist. Now, now it's... Uh, John also, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, in fact, it appears that John, along with some of his most devote followers, were probably getting spillover from Jesus' ministry. I mean, they're like, hey, look, Jesus is baptizing all those people there. It's probably like, uh, you know, Miko's is, uh, is got too long of a line to so go to the dairy thing across the street, you know? Uh, I think, ouch, I think John is now starting to get the spillover from Jesus' ministry, and uh, this is disturbing to some of his um, followers, which we'll look at on our next point. But folks, talk about, a, talk about a decreased role. John is now John also baptizing. And by the way, look at the end of verse 24. John had not yet been put in prison. Yeah. You talk about diminishing, you know, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. You're about to go to jail. Uh, oh, yeah, and you're going to get beheaded too. Mm. Uh, I would say you're decreasing in, uh, in the, the, the importance of your ministry. All right, so application for your life. As one writer observed, this moment when Jesus' ministry kicks in and he becomes the baptizer and John is also baptizing is, is a switch in the narrative. And um, it's kind of a, also a handoff between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, John the Baptist was the last of the prophets. He was a prophet. He, God, God gave him the voice. Uh, he was a prophet and um, <clears throat> so much so was he a prophet in the sense of, a, of an Old Testament prophet that, that people thought he was Elijah. Um, however, Jesus is the final prophet. No more prophets after Jesus. You don't need some uh, Pentecostal preacher to say, oh, I'm a prophet and I just got a new word uh, that's on par with this book. No, 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 no. It's over. 
the, the final prophet has come. The, the, the word with a capital W has come, the, the living word of God. Um, and so, application for you, everything about your life, Christian, everything about your life is an also. It's also you. <laughs> okay? John had the, 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 the setup role, Jesus takes over, and now it's John also. Everything about your existence is also. If you remember that, there will be health coming your way. You know, I, I, back in the day when I was with a, a band called the Deltones, um, there was a guy that I really liked. He was, a, he was an African-American guy, and uh, he had been in the Army, so he was, you know, I mean, you know people who have been in the Army? They're either nuts or they're awesome, and he was awesome. Um, he was on time. He was sharp. He was smart. He understood hierarchy, and, and uh, he was just a great team guy and, and all that. And anyway, he was our sax player and played clarinet too, and his name was E.T., and uh, he had been named E.T. before there was ever even a movie called E.T. His name was Ed Thomas. We called him E.T. And, uh, but anyway, he would always talk about the Army. And he was t- you know, we would lose a bandmate, and we'd have to work some new guy in. And we'd lose another bandmate, have to work somebody in again. And um, he would say, in the Army, they tell you all the time, um, your existence is like a finger in a pool of water. You pull out the finger, and the water closes right on in. And, um, you know, that's not... Um, fatalistic or um, lessening to uh, your worth or your value in this life or your experiences? Not at all. It is simply an illustration to say, um, and we'll discuss it more in our remaining points, but um, just remember, you're an also, that everything you do in this life uh, as a Christian ha- happens to be in the, in the course of the gospel. You're a part of, of the gospel story. History is his story, and you're a part of his story. That's what it is to be an also. All right, let's look at our next point, which is the one answer that will fix your whole life. Pretty good, eh? You want that? Okay. Um, so, the scene comes into John's, uh, the Baptist's vocation. Uh, look at verse 25. Uh, a discussion arises between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. They're talking about the baptism of cleansing and repentance. So there's, there's this, uh, this um, discussion in verse 26, it says that they came to John. They said to him, Rabbi, he was with you across the uh, Jordan uh, to whom you bore witness. Look over there. <clears throat> He's baptizing. And are, all are going to him. Now, it's interesting. Um, there's a little friendly fire um, between John's disciples and some religious leadership probably. And, um, and, and you know, by the way, nobody was breaking a Starbucks window or anything like that, uh, or dragging newspaper machines around the street or anything. They were just discussing it. Um, but what they were really saying was, dude, you're, you're known all over Judea. Crowds follow you. You've worked hard to establish this ministry. I mean, look at you. You're eating crickets, and uh, you dress like this, and you, you know, you, you've, you've poured yourself into to vocational ministry, and uh, you've set this thing up. And remember, John was known all over the place. I mean, religious leadership knew who he was. Herod eventually knows who he is. And, uh, um, you know, big ministry, not, not, not lack of notoriety. People, thousands and thousands, they all know who this guy is. Now Jesus is across the way stealing his thunder, and that's the complaint. Um, the, the new guy is kind of upstaging you, bro. You know what upstaging is, by the way? You know, if, you know what stage left and stage right is? If I'm staring at you, this is stage left because it's my left. I'm on the stage. Stage right. I'm on the stage looking out at you. Stage right. You know what upstage means? 
Back in the olden days, stages weren't built like this. They were built like this on a slant, all right? So we didn't have theater seating. We had flat seating, and so the stage was on a slant. So upstage meant I go that way. doesn't mean I go this way. It means I go that way. I'm going up the slant, upstage. Well, when you upstage somebody and you back up like this, what does it make the other players do? Turn around and look at you. All right, so the audience sees my front, and they see your backs. That's upstaging somebody. Well, I'm saying John the Baptist has been upstaged. He's now observing Jesus, and Jesus is now the main thing. And uh, I think you can uh, easily apply that to your life, can't you? Um, uh, John is expressing, I think, his worshipful trust in in God's sovereignty, that that, uh, God is controlling it, and so on, when he says this. Look at verse 27. John answered. This is the strangest answer. They go, hey, Jesus, he's upstaging you, man. He's like hijacked your ministry, and he's even doing the stuff that you were doing, baptizing and so on. And John, he doesn't say, well, let me explain something now. I'll hold your horses, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do that. He simply says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. That's the answer that will fix everything about your life. You want to you wanna be healthy? You want to be sane? You want to uh, handle your resources well? Do you want to parent well? Do you want to be a good spouse? Uh, do you want to care about the world? Do you, do you want to take care of the world? Do you care about the world's social ills? Do you? Well, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. That, that's, that's the sanity, friends. What you got has been given you. There, there's nothing that you haven't uh, been given. Uh, it's all been gifted. Um, Application for your life then. John is expressing his trust in God's sovereignty, that God is controlling it, uh, his wisdom, that God knows what is happening next, and God has a plan, and it's a perfect plan. Uh, he's expressing in that sentence God's uh, providence and grace, that uh, all I've got is God-given. And, um, you know, one, one commentator said this, that uh, I thought this was just such a cool, it was, it was its own little paragraph too. He says, candles are blown out after the electricity comes back on. I thought that was pretty good. He's going, hey, John the Baptist, great job. Thousands of people. Boy, the forerunner. I mean, an angel even talked to your mom. And and great job. Guess what? The lights are on. (laughs) The light of the world is here. Isn't that cool? Well, he also said this, this commentator, that John was a living milestone. And that's how I want to apply it to your life. Um, You and I... um, are probably not giant cogs in the, uh, the ministry, the, the, the redemption uh, machinery, right? We're probably not giant cogs like a Martin Luther would be mm, a giant cog. John Stott would be a giant cog. John Knox would be a giant cog. Um, Spurgeon, a giant cog. Athanasius and, and so on. Augustine, a giant cog. I mean, centuries later, we know these names. You're probably not a giant cog, But you're a part of the whole gospel operation, my friends. And um, far from, you know, when we look at John saying, hey, I need to decrease, and uh, John is a John also, and uh, John is a candle that's now blown out because the lights are on, that doesn't diminish the importance of your life or your experiences or what you go through or your your, your yearnings. Um, You are living milestones, God, God has chosen in his pleasure to use us to further his kingdom that, that 
people may be added to the Lamb's book of life. It means that all of your experiences really matter. Everything that you have has an eternal value. And it's not just, it's not just in a Russell Crowe kind of way. You remember Gladiator? He gives this pep talk in the beginning. Uh, it's a great way to people get, get soldiers to go fight until they die. He says, uh, what you do in this life echoes in eternity. Man, it's a great pep talk. Makes you want to go fight the bad guy, you know? Um, it is true. What you do in this life echoes in eternity, but not in just some generic uh, go fight a war way. What you do in this life as a believer in Jesus Christ has everything to do with the kingdom of Christ. No matter how mundane the activity, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard to understand your experiences, remember that they are interleaved with uh, God's plan of redemption for this world. Everything you do, uh, you're in also... But uh, there, there's great value uh, to what you're doing. And the way I look at it is, is this. I'll close with this illustration on this point. We're, we're, we'll move to our last point. Um, music. So I do music here. And, and uh, let me tell you, writing a song is sometimes quick and sometimes really slow. Uh, sometimes it flows and sometimes it's really hard. But either way, it's a challenging thing. Um, writing music is hard. Writing lyrics is harder. You write music and lyrics, that's pretty hard. And, um, and then you um, have to make a recording and you have to distribute it amongst musicians and they work on it. And then you come together for a rehearsal on Wednesday night, every Wednesday night at 7.30. We have the big rehearsal in the sanctuary. We all come together. We work on the thing like you'll see today. And uh, we uh, listen to it the recording and rehearsal, we show up on Sunday, we work it through again, we rehearse again, we play it uh, in rehearsal, and then we do it two times live, and you know what happens to it next? Poof. Um, And the way I look at it uh, is like a burnt offering. I mean, it's not like we're selling records. It's It's not like we're making a killing on all this music that we're doing. We do it, and poof, it's gone. And 100 years from now, uh, my name will be remembered no more. Doesn't bother me at all. You know why? Because everything has kingdom worth. Everything about your life and experiences has kingdom worth. Think of it as a burnt offering. Rejoice in being an an also. Uh, Rejoice in diminishing. Uh, It's a sign of health. All right, our last point. Um, Your quiet but lasting legacy. Um, Verse 29, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Now, um, we can understand what a best man is, can't we? And, uh, you know, and it's kind of weird in the South. Is anybody from the, who's from the North? Before you moved down here, did you ever heard of a father being a best man? You had? Tom, you had? I asked my dad to be my best man. He said, don't be ridiculous. That's, that's crazy. No. And, uh, and uh, we, we'd never even heard of that. Best man. That, that, we'd never even heard of that before, that a father would be a best man. Anyway, so I was like, all right, all right, Dad. So anyway, I asked Tim Morgan, uh, who, who was my best friend and still is my best friend. Anyway, you know, I look at Tim Morgan and I, I look at his influence on my life. You know, who I, you know how I met my wife? Tim, and, Tim introduced me to her. Uh, you know how I met Dr. Young? Tim introduced me to him. You know how I ended up at Central Church? Tim introduced me to Central Church. You know how I ended up back at church after years of not going to church, years of backsliding, years of, of, of just 
being outside of the fellowship of, of faith, you know how I, that I got remedied? God's use of, of Tim. And uh, here he was my best man. And so I look at, and that's, that's a pretty good illustration of what we're talking about here. A bridegroom back, back here in these days had great responsibility. Uh, the ladies didn't plan the wedding, the bridegroom did. I'm not, excuse me, not the bridegroom, the best man, the best man, the bridegroom's friend, bridegroom's friend. You got it? So bridegroom, bride, best man. He planned the whole wedding. Now, can you imagine the table decorations? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Probably wasn't, as, probably wasn't as good looking. Um, but the, the, the best man, the, the bridegroom's friend, planned everything. In fact, the bridegroom's friend was, had, was charged, so I've read, was charged with keeping other fellas away. You know, like old acquaintances uh, that are popping up on Facebook to try to, to steal her away from the bridegroom? Uh, the, the bridegroom's friend is like, nah, And he, he's like, here you go, buddy. I protected her for you. Now you're married. Well, that's the idea with John, the bridegroom's friend. Um, he, he, is, um, he, he is the one who has is, who is put forth the, the Savior and, and paved the way. He's the forerunner. He's the one who prepared the way. Now, application for you. You, in a sense, are the bridegroom's friend. <laughs> you, in a sense, are also the bride. But in all these things, look at verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's the thing we take away from this. More of thee, less of me. Um, that just doesn't apply to John the Baptist in his ministry. It applies to every believer. He must increase, but I must decrease. That is your quiet and lasting legacy. Um, here's what the Sproul says. I rather like this. He says, um, you, know, you know, this is, by the way, he must increase, I must decrease. That's the third use of the word must, and you get a double in here. I must, he must increase, I must decrease. There are two other musts so far in John's gospel. You know what they are? Um, You must be born again. You must. There is no other way. You must be born again. There's no thinking your way into it. There's no other belief system. There's no other, uh, you know, sincerity, all those things. You must be born again. You must. The other one is, um, the Son of Man must be lifted up. There must be a substitutionary curse bearer. So you must be born again. There, there must be some kind of substitutionary curse bearer. And you must decrease. You must. Pretty strong, isn't it? All right, so Sproul says this. When John said he must increase, he was saying it is necessary. The increase of Christ was not an option. And that's what I say to you. The increase of Christ is not an option. He must increase. You must decrease. You must. Um, that is the way to um, spiritual sanity. That, that is the way to, uh, to, to uh, evidence your growing, rejoicing in your own diminishing as Christ is more magnified in your life. Let's pray. Our Father, we uh, bow before you humbly, remembering that the only way we can approach you is that you have given a gift of life to the dead, a gift that we must have. And Lord, um, the only way that uh, justice was served is for our punishment to be put on another and that we would look on that one and believe and live. We must have an advocate. We must have a substitute. And Lord, we must diminish. We must decrease. We must think less of ourselves, not in a not in a groveling, um, 
self-inflicting way, but in a joyful way, remembering that everything we have is a gift from you. Nothing we have hasn't come from you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And so it all belongs to you, and we belong to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would um, make that something um, our hearts not only uh, wrap around, but rejoice in. And we pray all these things for Christ and his glory. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you.